and welcome to Geeking with Destination Venus. How are you doing, you wonderful, wonderful geeky people? Reggie here once again with yet another hour of geeky news, views, and get this, actual chat. Because yes, I'm not flying solo this week. I have a guest, uh, and I think we're probably going to cut straight in to the first part of my chat with um, Shannon from Moonsquid. Uh, somebody I had hoped to speak to at Thought Bubble, but didn't get to because I was running around like a headless chicken or trapped behind my, my table, both of which brilliant problems to have. Uh, so we got together over the miracle that is Zoom to uh, chat about Thought Bubble, Shannon's work. And we did wander off into a bit of a side rant about social media and um, stuff like that, which I may cut out. Uh, it won't be in this week's chat anyway. Uh, and we're going to get to it straight away because there may be some people who are listening to this for the first time because they're fans of Shannon. And I don't want to keep them waiting, really. So, without further ado, this is my chat with Shannon from Moonsquid. And welcome to Shannon from Moonsquid. Hello. <laughs> Thank How you for doing? having me. Fantastic. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. Um, this is one of those conversations that I would have much preferred to have had at Thought Bubble. My normal plan at Thought Bubble is to grab my little recorder and um, get someone to look after my stand for a bit while I run around and just randomly accost people who are sitting behind their tables because their work looks interesting. And I didn't get to do that this year because we were so damn busy. It was. It was crazy. It was. And I had expected there would be fewer people there because, you know, COVID. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean, I've not I've not checked with the organisers to see what actual attendance was, but it, it didn't feel like that. No, it was it was heaving. E even with all of the like safety precautions in place, there was a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. And it was nice actually to see. And I've, I've seen a lot of other comment about this. It was nice to see people not being dicks. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you, Everyone was very respectful. It was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's comics people for you. Generally no, speaking, yeah. they're quite nice. <laughs> so, a lot of people listening will be familiar with your work, but an awful lot won't. So, can we start with what your journey into comics was? I mean, how did, how did you discover the medium in the first place? Um, well, it's something that I was always reading when I was little. We spent a lot of time at libraries and bookstores when I was growing up, and I just kind of gravitated towards them. And I, I've been, like, drawing stupid little comics since I was little, stapling lined paper together, and it's just something I never imagined not doing. So here we are. So you're, you're effectively then a comics native. <laughs> oh, I, I hope I can say that, but you never know. Yeah, no, it's always... It's always interesting to talk to people who've always done it. I wasn't allowed comics as a kid. Oh. My, yeah, I know. My mum had this idea that they were not proper reading. Oh, no. I, mean, I own a comic I'm... bookstore now, so you see how well that turned out. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hello. Reggie from the future of this recording, but from the past of where you're sitting now. Oh, God, timey-wimey's hard, isn't it? Um. <clears throat> Just a point of clarification. That was true. I was not allowed comics as a kid, but, and it's a very important but, I would not have been able to buy the shop had my mother not helped me do it. So she kind of came round, you know? And so I, I'm 
I never had that. Comics to me was a kid were always aspirational. My friends had them and I mm-hmm. wanted them, but I wasn't allowed them. And it was Ugh. something I always kind of, of, of lusted after in the distance kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm a little bit jealous. I'm so sorry. It's it's a pretty common misconception, like the the merging of like a pictorial storytelling and narrative. It people send, uh, tend to think that it's awfully simplistic or cartoonish, but there's a lot of really deep and meaningful ideas being told in them. So, yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I mean, if if anything, I would say, and and I'm speaking as a qualified English teacher here. It's comics are actually when they're good, are actually a lot more complex than mm. prose. Uh, there, there's so much more going on. Yes, you don't have paragraphs full of description, uh, but then neither does Jane Austen. Yeah, uh, comics, <laughs> comics can comics can really focus on the dialogue because you don't need to describe the room; you can see it. Mm-hmm. And there's also that other level of reading the pictures. Oh, yeah. That engages a whole other section of the brain. So, yeah, it, it's it's a frustration. And I'm I'm always always glad when people have always had them. Mm-hmm. You've probably got a much better, much more roundly developed brain than I have as a result. <laughs> I'm so, probably worse off in some other ways. <laughs> Who knows? So you've always kind of made your own comics. Yeah. Uh, presumably they were for your personal enjoyment and, you know, maybe passing around family and friends and that kind of thing. What, what got you to make the leap to being the creator you are now with a stand at a convention and people actually buying your work? Um, I'd say that it'd have to be um, support and um, like peer pressure <laughs> in yeah. some way. Like um, the, long-term comic that I'm working on right now uh, started more as a therapeutic way for me to express some horrible stuff that I was going through. And I just decided to upload them to a tapas, one of the like web comic websites at the time. And I uploaded it and promptly forgot about it for months because it was just something for me, something I didn't really expect anyone to have any interest in, but a lot of people were commenting and begging me to give them more. And I was like, well, you know what? Sure, why not? So I started doing it a bit more um, on a schedule, a bit more like putting myself into it more. And it just kind of took off from there. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to try to do this like for real. So I've been doing comics since then. Very cool. It's, it's, Again, always good to talk to people who have had that that drive, but then followed through. I speak to so mm. many people who have a, and if I'm honest, I'm one of them, who have a great idea for a comic, and they kind of make a start, mm. and then they don't keep it up, they don't maintain a schedule, and it kind of just fizzles out and disappears. And yeah, it's difficult. There's something about, I think, the creative discipline that mm. creators who actually get their stuff out there have in common, whether they're writers, writer artists, um, whether they're in comics or prose or whatever field they're in. Uh, it, it does 
take a certain kind of person to just make sure they sit themselves down and get it done. Mm. And I was wondering, I'll be honest, I've not seen that much of your work. I've seen enough to know that I want to see more. Um, but I don't think I'd seen you at previous Thought Bubbles. And No, this was my first one. Well, that would explain It was that. very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> and so I saw your stand a couple of times as I ran past on the way to other places and kind of made a mental note to come back and check. And then, and then suddenly it was five o'clock on Sunday. And, <laughs> and oh, believe me, I did and, that a lot. <laughs> so... Again, and I, I, I will put links in the show notes, obviously. But again, for for people who who haven't come across your work before, how would you describe it? Um, I like to think of it as somewhat ethereal, like across all notes. Um, I try to hit as many genres as I have interest in, so I don't sit in too many places too much. Although my favorite genres would be fantasy and horror. But I do have um, a like children's book about cats and baking, so that doesn't quite fit in there. But I like things spooky, and I do them all with watercolor, so they have a bit of a magical quality to them, at least in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I'm horrible at talking about my work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, this, you, this is where you need to get better. You need to. I do. I do. Absolutely. <laughs> so, something that I've learned from the creators that i know well is that you really have to be good at self-promotion um it's it's probably not fashionable to say this but the um the people i know who are really successful are the people who are quite good at telling you how good they are Uh, i'm not gonna name any names now because that sounds like a criticism but um you can probably think of a few oh yeah absolutely and it's it is a good thing to be able to do. I mean, nobody likes anybody who boasts, but at the same time, it's not a bad thing to be a good salesperson. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know why I'm giving you advice. It's not like I've ever. No, no, it, it is absolutely my weakest point about comics is selling them. I can, I can make them all day long, but goodness, if you try to get me to convince you to buy one, I will just fall apart. <laughs> well, Fortunately, <laughs> fortunately, it's the creating that takes the most talent. Mm. Um, I can say this because I am I am one. Salespeople don't necessarily need to be good at things. They just need to be able to talk a good game. Um, and there's quite a lot of people who can talk a good game out there. So um, as long as you can do the actual work, you're probably way ahead. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, so the comics that you brought to Thought Bubble... Um, what are they about? If you're not if you if you're not comfortable telling me how good they are, tell me <laughs> what happens. Okay. Um I had two of my chapters for Tempest Red, the comic that started out just for me. Um that one is an eldritch fantasy horror about a corrupted empire who is slowly and unknowingly uh, bringing about the apocalypse, and oh. it focuses a lot on um, how people are affected by abuse, how they all kind of very personal and something that I was just doing for me, but I just thought it was important to continue it and, you know, the confidence by my peers and my family and stuff, so it just keeps going. And it's very difficult selling this one 
um, because I don't know how to sell people a, a dark story that has sad undertones, but I can say that it does end well. <laughs> um, um, as a retailer, I can tell you that dark stories with sad undertones sell really well. Oh, good. Um, I just get really nervous trying to tell people to buy it because, God, everybody just wants some happiness right now. And this story doesn't have a lot of that right now because it's just getting started. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm working on chapter three right now and we have about nine planned. So things are like just about to get to like a a really dark place, but it gets good. Well, you see, it's good to have something to look forward to. And let's be honest, although, (laughs) yes, after the last couple of years, a nice, healthy dose of positivity is always welcome. Yeah, we can equally. I think everybody can very much relate to mm. um, a little bit of darkness because to some degree or another, we've all been through it. Yeah. What with one thing and another. Um, is that, and it, it's interesting to hear you talk about how your story is rooted in something so deeply personal that you kind of needed to upload out of your brain. Yeah. Because again, that's, some of my very favorite this may say this may say something terrible about me actually some of my favorite comics uh, particularly by independent creators function in the in the same sort of way um have you come across the work of Rachel Smith I'm so terrible with names maybe uh, she did she did quarantine comics yes yes yeah. yes yes um a lot of Rachel's work um it's perhaps a little bit more direct than the route you've taken um rachel (laughs) really does kind of just put her pain on the page as herself um oh nice but it comes it comes again from the same kind of point of i've got this stuff going on in my head and it would be better if it wasn't in there so where's a place i can put it oh there's a comics page that'll do (laughs) um and it's it's always interesting to me. I've, I've, I've had my own chair of demons, as everybody has. It's always interesting to me when people can take stuff like that and make something positive and creative out of it. Um, I think it's a really healthy impulse. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, and honestly, I wish more people would do it. Not, not everybody has the talent to be able to make it saleable, but I think it's a really good exercise to do. Yeah, it's been very helpful. Yeah. It's, it, it's a slightly more interesting version of keeping a journal, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So Especially. this year was your first Thought Bubble. Mm-hmm. Had you done conventions before? Yes, um, not large scale. I had, had attended some pretty large uh, conventions before, but my selling experience had um a bit more local conventions a oh goodness what was the largest one i did there was scarborough sci-fi con i did and um carlisle megacon i'm sure i'm sure there's another one but a, a couple of smaller mm-hmm. local ones we we know scarborough um quite well um it's, oh nice it's a great little company i love sci-fi. oh it was fantastic all the daleks all over the place it was yeah. it was wonderful i've not i've not managed to make it for the last couple of years because it's always been on a weekend when i've been somewhere else but um the ones i've been to i've thoroughly enjoyed did they mm. have last time you were there did they have the pink dalek with the with the eyelashes I do not i don't recall the pink dalek oh it was so it's quite a cliche joke i suppose 
but there was a pink Dalek going around with like massive eyelashes on its ice Oh! And it was trundling around the convention centre going, Exfoliate! Exfoliate! <laughs> Which oh. made me giggle. It was fun. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, love sci-fi Scarborough. Um, but, yes, it's a very different scale to Thought Bubble. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the Lakes International Comic Art Festival. I just did that, like, a couple weeks before. Oh, I get the lakes. I've actually never been to the lakes. I've always wanted to, but, again, it, it keeps oh. happening on weekends when I'm not free. Yeah, it is. It is fantastic. I think that was the largest one I had done before Thought mm-hmm. Bubble. Although, I mean, the lakes... The lakes, I think, as I say, I've never actually been, but from what people mm-hmm. tell me, the lakes, I think, is the con that's closest to what Thought Bubble is, mm-hmm. in, in in that it's 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 focused very firmly on comics rather than yeah. rather than having thousands of Daleks and the bloke who was fifth story <laughs> from the left. All of which yeah, is what a... I love, but <laughs> it's the focus on comics that that I really love about Thought Bubble, and that I assume absolutely, I assume I would love the same thing about the lakes. Oh, yeah, it is. It is absolutely magical. There, there aren't quite as many costumes, um, but it. Everybody is there for comics. Everybody loves it. It is. Everybody is so sweet, and so wonderful. It is. It is absolutely magical. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I sound like a broken record. I've been saying this on the show <laughs> now for oh, at least six weeks in the run up to Thought Bubble. It really is. The people who make up the community who make the festival so great. Mm. Um, and I, I mean, I've been going to Thought Bubble for ooh, since it started. Uh, I've wow. missed a couple, but not many. Um, it's because I'm fantastically old. Um, <laughs> and before, before that, there was the Bristol Comics Festival, and before that, there was the UK Comic Art Convention in London. And so I've been, a, I've been at a a big con like that every year since the mid nineties until 2020. Oh, wow. And I knew I'd missed it, but it wasn't until I walked into uh, the red shirts hall on Friday afternoon and saw people starting to set up that I realized how much I'd missed it. Oh, there's something so very, very special about, that quantity of creative people who are all in the same place at the same time because they just love the same thing. Mm. And it was, it was truly amazing. I, I, I genuinely hadn't been prepared for how, what an emotional reaction I was going to have to just walking in. Oh yeah. I'm assuming that your thought bubble experience in general was pretty positive. Oh, it was absolutely magical. I know exactly what you're talking about. As soon as I walked in to go set up my table, I nearly pooped myself. It was so exciting. Like, every everybody, I had never seen so much skill condensed into three rooms before. And everyone was just wonderful. It, oh, I I hope and I pray that I can sell there again because, my God, that it was it was just the best. It is. Oh my goodness! It is the best. Pl- it is just the best place in the world. I mean, I'm biased now because I live in the town <laughs> where it's held. But, oh, you're so lucky. But I didn't used to. I mean, it used to be in Leeds. Um, oh, okay. And uh, it, it only came to it only came to Harrogate in 2019 because 
Leeds and sorry, broken record again. I've been saying this for six weeks as well. Leeds is the big city in Yorkshire. It doesn't have a venue big enough to hold Thought Bubble anymore. So they um. came to my mad little town. Because <laughs> we do. And be, being the posh little town 20 miles from Leeds, we love being able to say that's brilliant. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, Thought Bubble's always been like that. It's always been just such a, a positive, creative environment. Um, they The organisers do a, a stunning job. Mm. of of putting all of this together god knows how they do it so it was really positive did did you find that you had uh, a strong reaction from people to the to the work that that they saw from you i think so i mean to be honest i um was in a little bit of a brain fog for quite a lot of it it'd been a long time since i had been around so many people um i work from home primarily so i don't get out all that often anyway but there was a lot of interest, a lot of smiling people, and a lot of really good conversations. And there were quite a lot of people that were interested in what I was doing. But I can't recall a single specific conversation because uh, it was all just like a mad blur. Yeah, no, that's okay. I put you on the spot to ask you to say nice <laughs> no, things about okay. your work again. So, you know, that's on me. Um, and did you, because I, I know I didn't. Um, it was a nice problem to have, but I was stuck behind my table um, for the whole of Sunday and oh. most of Saturday because we were so busy. And when I was able to get out from behind my table, I had specific things I had to do. Um, so toilet amongst others. Yeah, um, <laughs> I didn't I didn't get a chance to look around quite as much as I would normally like to. But did you did you manage to see much of what everybody else had? Oh, not a lot. I had um, I had set Sunday morning aside to do quite a bit of shopping. Um, apparently, a lot of other people had that idea too. So I was wandering around, and a lot of other people were also wandering around. So, kind of had to wait until everything was open for people to come back to their tables. Uh, but I didn't get to go everywhere, and it really hurts me because everywhere I saw was absolutely unbelievable yeah but yeah i did i did get some stuff um i saw some people that i had meant to see so that was that was good and i can't remember what i was just saying just now <laughs> i'm sorry oh, that's okay thought bubble does that there's so much that you will have seen that's mm-hmm. lodged somewhere in your memory is like oh let's come back to that oh yeah um, yeah it's it actually pulling out specific examples of of things that you saw that were wonderful yeah I, I i completely get it it's it's hard to bring it to the front of the brain oh yeah and um so like by the time i had shopped and it was already open so i had to go back to my table so i was like okay once everything calms down i can go back and revisit those tables that were unoccupied but that slower moment never came and sunday was absolutely crazy there was no moment to leave except for going for toilet breaks and it was devastating. Yeah. I mean, it's a great problem to have. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, you're there to promote and sell your work. And if, if you don't have time to do anything else, then that means there are mm-hmm. lots of people interested. Um, just as I was there to sell comics and the fact that I didn't get away from my table means I sold a lot, um, Yeah, which is, you know, 
kind of my job, so woo. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, the, that frustration of having a stand and therefore not being able to get out and see all the other stands um, <laughs> it is a bit of a thing. I, there is no way around it, unfortunately, except to go turn up with an army of people and work on your table in shifts. Oh um, yeah, which is not always practical. No, again, no, it's e- not. <laughs> again, easier for me. I live here, um, but um, yeah, even I, I only had a. I, I managed to rope a, a mate in to do uh, a, a few hours on Saturday for me. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, but as I say, I had specific things I had to be doing in that time, so uh, mm. so still didn't get around everywhere. Um, that said, of course, there is always next year. When almost everybody will be back. So next year, you maybe there you'll have a, a more of an idea of, of the ones that you really regret missing this year. And you'll be able to prioritize. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, there are some mental notes. <laughs> yeah, I, do, I don't know if you've been visiting cons long enough to have this experience quite yet. But certainly... I've got friends that I've known for more than 30 years that I only see at cons. Okay. And, uh, you know, I know that those are the, those stands are the ones I absolutely want to hit at some point, even if it's only to say, hi, see you next year. Um, (laughs) And then, and then we're, 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 we're chatting on Twitter for the rest of the year. Uh, But, I think, again, that's one of Thought Bubble's strengths is that because it does have some some regulars and some real continuity, it, it again, it adds to that feeling of community mm-hmm. that it manages, because this would be a danger, I think, it manages, I think, tell me if I'm wrong, to have that sense of community and that, that sense that there are lots of people who know each other without those people feeling like a clique. Without that being expensive. Yeah. Um, I, I certainly, when I first started attending as a, as a regular guy, I didn't own the shop when I first started going to Thought Bubble. Um, I was always made to feel very welcome by the people that had, you know, known each other forever. Oh yeah. Um, so I'm hoping that as someone who's maybe not been to that many cons, certainly not as a, not with a table. Hoping that was your experience too. Oh yeah, everyone was absolutely wonderful, and there there were a lot of like really quick conversations um, that led me to believe that a lot of the people had met before, but I never felt excluded at any point. It was lovely. Yeah, that's good. That's the, I genuinely don't know how that works because that's not my experience in any other social situation. No, not really. <laughs> um, maybe I just normally choose bad social situations, but it, it normally I always feel that when there's a bunch of people who know each other really well and I'm not part of that group, I can't really join that group. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't generally feel that in comics, particularly not at Thought Ball. So again, just comics people being nice. I know. It's been wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're in danger of just constantly repeating ourselves and saying comics is lovely, but comics is lovely. So I, I, it bears it bears repeating. Mm. So 
how long have you actually been producing work that you could take to conventions? Because you, you say you've only done a few. So is this something that's been building up for a long uh, time or was, was it a sort of fairly sudden decision to say, right, time to do a convention? Well, I had been attending conventions for, um, goodness, when was my first one? Uh, 20, 2005? Um, but I was only going as a cosplayer and I always really admired the artist alley stuff. And I, I thought that I would eventually do that. Uh, but at that point, I was really just doing art as a hobby and not really, I didn't think anything could ever come of that. It was really just doodling my original characters and stupid situations and stuff like that. But um, it was actually once I got all of that peer support and confidence from uploading my comic that I decided I might actually want to do art as a career. So, oh goodness, when was that? I'd say that was um, like 2015-ish. Okay. Uh, so I did a lot of studying, lots of like just trying to improve the craft, really, and just doing art prints and stuff in smaller conventions just to get a feel for it before actually like coming through the doors with books and such. So I did a, a couple of small local conventions just to get a feel for it. And it was really scary because I have um mild social anxiety. But uh, it was it was good. It was good. Got got everything kind of comfortable and uh kind of got to a point where I was more confident with stuff. So I've been applying for all of these other conventions and you know, finally got into Thought Bubble and finally got into lakes comic art festival um so i'd say it'd be about maybe five years ish of like coming at this with some skills that i'm pretty confident with okay genuinely that's to me a really inspiring story Uh, oh thank you because so many people um you know i was a teacher for a long time and I had, you know, a lot of kids in a fairly deprived area who were really good at stuff. They were good at writing. They were good at art. They were good at music. Um, but they never saw it as a career. Mm. In, in, in their heads, it could never be anything other than a hobby because you can't make a living at it. Yeah, was 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 how they were feeling about it, and so they had that, um, I guess, northern working class mindset of you need to get trade. Mm-hmm. You have something behind you to fall back on, something to rely on, because let's be honest, you're never going to be a success as an artist, stroke singer, stroke writer, stroke creative in anything. Yeah, because that's just not a real job. I'm always impressed when people kind of think, yeah, hang on a minute. <laughs> Actually, I'm good at this. And people <laughs> like it. If I make the thing, that might work. Yeah. And it's just, it's not even necessarily courage. It's imagination to to take that first step and maybe 
do that first small convention and, you know, maybe just sell a couple of things. Uh, or even these days, I mean, this isn't something that was available when I was a kid, but even just to, as you did, okay, I've made this this thing, I've got this art, I'll upload it to the internet and put it here where people can see it. And just having the, just, just thinking that you're allowed to do that, that it's a thing that you can do. It's not for other people. You can do it. That leap of imagination is a really important thing to be able to do and a really important thing for other people who are coming behind you to see that you did. Because now they've seen you do it, more people will be thinking, you know, more more kids in their classrooms, possibly still being told by teachers that they need to be realistic and mm. that they're not going to make a living from their art. They can see that, okay, well, well, she did it. Maybe I can. Maybe I'll give it a shot. I hope they do. And and some, of course, some will crash and burn horribly because that's life. But maybe they'll get up again and try it again yeah. and get better. And as I say, it's just being able to make that initial leap of imagination to say that this isn't just something I want to do. I can actually do it. Mm. I think it's really, really important. So I, I love stories like yours. That's and and when you put that on top of the fact that you you initially started the, this kind of art because you were dealing with stuff that was difficult to deal with and it was a a way of processing it. That's that's another thing that a lot of people are held back by. That you know they feel oh I've like, I've got nothing positive to say so I shouldn't say anything. Um, oh, it's so bad to keep those thoughts in, though. It's so bad. Absolutely. I mean, just never mind from an artistic perspective, just from a, a, <laughs> a, a positive mental health perspective. Oh, yeah. It's a bad idea to keep that stuff bottled up. So, again, stories like yours I really like because it's, it's one of the things that makes the creative industries and creative endeavors in general so beneficial. And... There is no reason why more people can't do it. I think, sorry, I'm talking a lot now. No, no, it's I, okay. I, I have a, I have a tendency to, regular listeners know I have a tendency to do this. Uh, I used to be a teacher. We have a propensity for lecturing. Um, oh, that's okay. But it's a, it's a point, again, I think it's really, really important. I'm assuming that you enjoy creating the art that you create. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. But it's still a job, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely is. Having It's another thing that a lot of people need to get their heads around, Having being able to make the leap of imagination that just because you don't hate it, it still counts as work. Yeah. The idea that it can only be a job if you're miserable in it <laughs> is because you hear that so much from people you know they they get up in a, on a monday morning and they go to their job that they hate and they do it all week desperate for friday to come around so that they can go out on saturday get over the hangover on sunday and then start again <laughs> on monday to fund a weekend of not having to do work and actually i don't think it's true to say that if you find a job you love you'll never really work a day in your life i think that's nonsense but if you find a job you love you at least won't be miserable all week. Yeah. And it's still a proper job. It's still work. 
Um, it is. And I think, I don't know if maybe the pandemic has helped shift things. A lot of people had to sit at home, not going to the job they didn't like, and had the time. And thanks to the furlough, you know, they were reasonably, a lot of people at least, were reasonably financially okay. Um, and so they actually were made to have the time to do stuff they might enjoy. Yeah. I, I hope that one of the things that comes out of all of that is that more people kind of go, I really enjoyed doing that stuff I did over the pandemic lockdowns. And I really hate the job that I was doing before. <laughs> so I can make money at the thing I was doing that I enjoyed. So maybe I won't do this thing I don't like anymore. Yeah. And I, I, I hope that some of the recruiting issues that some companies are having are evidence that that's what's happening. That people have just gone, yeah, do you know what? I don't want to go back and work in that pub. It wasn't fun. I don't want to go back and work in that call center. It wasn't fun. And I'm now doing this and it's better. I hope that at least you've got that. I hope that too. Okay. We're going to leave that conversation there. Shannon and I were talking for very close to two hours. So there's way too much of that conversation to squeeze into one show anyway. And that's a, that's as good a jumping off point, I think, as we're going to get. It's a fairly logical point in the conversation where we were about to go off and talk about something else. So more of that next week. Uh, I have to say, it really was nice just to sit down and talk to somebody about comics for that long. And. Yeah, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that conversation. But anyway, uh, time to move on and talk about... And there's a few things to talk about in space this week. Um, A couple of them have made the, the major news. I'm going to talk about them anyway. You may have heard about this. But the Russians have been up to stuff again. Um, You might remember a few... Uh, weeks ago, there was a story about an accident on board the International Space Station, which sounded and felt, I suspect, more dramatic than it actually was, but it was a bit of a big deal. Uh, Basically, the thrusters on uh, a new module that the Russians had attached to the International Space Station fired unexpectedly and made the International Space Station do somersaults for a bit. Uh, It must have been terrifying to be on board. They got to the bottom of it. It was an accident. These things happen. Um, What they've done now, though, wasn't an accident. Uh, And it could have been nasty. And it's still causing a big problem. And I don't quite understand what the Russians thought they were up to. Basically, the astronauts on board the International Space Station had to take shelter in their lifeboats this week because a cloud of debris was approaching the area of the International Space Station. And if you get hit by something at orbital speeds, it does a lot of damage, even if it's small. If it's big, it will just take you out. And everybody knows this. This is not an, this is not news. This is not a surprise. And yet, about 10 days ago, the Russians decided it would be a fantastic idea to test one of their anti-satellite missiles. Now, OK, fine. Nations have militaries, they have weapons, they need to test them. Fine, not a problem. On board with that. Rather they didn't, but it's happening. So that's not the problem. The problem is how they chose to test it. What they did is um, they shot a satellite. Uh, 
they launched a missile uh, and destroyed Cosmos 1408, which is a now defunct Soviet satellite. Now, you might be thinking, well, okay, but it's their satellite. They can blow it up if they want. And yeah, but, and it's a big but. Blowing up that satellite is what caused the cloud of debris that threatened the International Space Station. Now, the Russians have insisted that they were absolutely certain when they launched their missile that the International Space Station was not at any risk. Um, yeah, I'm not sure they knew that, actually. Uh, I'm also actually genuinely not sure whether the branch of the Soviet, sorry, Russian military that launched that missile was talking to Roscosmos, which is the Russian space agency. I, I'm i going to guess that Roscosmos were as surprised as anybody else, because if they'd known, I'm fairly sure there'd have been some fairly high level arguing about it. Anyway, the ISS is fine. It is safe. But the problem isn't over. We have a huge problem with the amount of debris that's in space right now, which is why lots of governments and space agencies uh, have got quite annoyed with the Russians about this. Um, also, rather hilariously, Virgin Orbit have complained. I can't imagine that the Russians care about that. Um, it, it does run counter to the Space Debris Mitigation Guidelines, um, which is an internationally agreed thing um, that is adopted by the United Nations. And it's it's there because space junk is a massive, massive problem. And the Russians have just created a bucket load more. This debris is going to be in orbit, in the cases of some of it, for literally hundreds of years. And the more of this stuff there is, the more dangerous low Earth orbit gets. There's already far too much up there. And, you know, this is not, it's not even as though we didn't know that this was going to be a problem because it's happened before. The Chinese have done this. The Indians, I think, have done this. And everybody just needs to stop because the problem with space junk is that it never gets less. Because what can happen is you've got a bit of space junk floating around, hits another bit of space junk, they smash each other up. That's lots of smaller bits of space junk. And as I said, it doesn't have to be big to take out a spacecraft. And sooner or later, it's going to happen. And we actually now run the risk of there being so much junk in orbit around the Earth that you'll not be able to get through it. And that would also be a bit of a problem. So very cross with the Russians. Um, can everybody please stop blowing stuff up in space? That said, um, although it's for much better reasons, NASA are about to go and punch an asteroid. But for a good reason. It's all in the name of planetary defence, which sounds dramatic uh, and a little bit weird if you don't know what planetary defence actually is. But it is a very important aspect, an increasingly important aspect of what NASA, and it is just NASA at the moment, really. Uh, it's an important aspect of what they do. What they're going to do is, uh, well, the name of the mission is DART, uh, which stands for something. I can't remember what. And it launched this week. 
and it's heading to the asteroid Didymos, which is my favourite name for an asteroid ever. And the idea is it's going to hit it. Um, the point of this is they want to see whether it's possible to change the orbit of an asteroid. Uh, so Dart's going to fly out to this asteroid. Uh, it weighs 550 kilograms. It's going to throw itself into Dimorphos, which is a little sort of moonlet, which orbits around Didymos. Um, it's going to do this at a speed of about 15,000, that's 24, uh, 15,000 miles per hour, that's 24,000 kilometers per hour. And hopefully that will change just a little bit the orbit of the asteroid. Uh, the, the reason for that is, although Didymos is not a threat to Earth, so while we're going around punching it, I'm not sure, but Didymos is no threat to Earth at all, but other asteroids are. And so we need to study what happens when you knock their orbit around a bit and to see whether we actually can send something that will have enough force to nudge an asteroid away from an orbit that would put it on a collision course with Earth. Because asteroids hitting the planet is a bad thing. Meteorites are fine, they look cool. Asteroids, not so much. It wouldn't take a massive one to, you know, create an extinction level event like the one that wiped out the dinosaurs. And they do happen. I mean, famously, Tunguska in uh, the early 1900s, um, there was a fireball that didn't actually hit the ground, uh, but made a very low uh, atmospheric pass over Russia about five or ten years ago. Uh, I'll put some footage of it in the show notes if I can find it. Uh, and that caused literally millions of pounds worth of damage. And that's hard to do in Russia. You can, you can flatten the city in Russia and not cause that much damage. So it's really important that we know what we're doing with these things. So uh, good on NASA. It's nice to know that somebody is looking out for planetary defence. It's, you know, genuinely, genuinely important. So let's have fewer blowing stuff up and more working out how to protect the planet in space. That would be nice. Thanks ever so much. Anyway, we'll leave space there. Uh, I like to leave it balanced. That's a that's a terrible news story and a good news story. Time to move on. Because I have got some brilliant comics to recommend for you this week. It's a really good week for issue ones. Got to say it. So let's go with a little jingle. So we're going to start with the really big blockbuster title of the week, and that is Hulk. No longer prefixed, no longer incredible, no longer immortal, although they do mention in the story that he actually still is. Uh, but the book's just calling itself Hulk. Now, I've not traditionally been a fan of the Hulk. He's always struck me as a bit of a blunt instrument of a character. But the recent run uh, that ended uh, a few months ago uh, with Garen Ewing and the artist who shall not be named at the helm intrigued me because they leaned 
right in to a couple of aspects of the Hulk that I don't think have been well enough explored in the past. They leaned in to his multiple personality disorder type thing and explicitly made it that Banner is now shown as having multiple personality disorder. That's where all of these different Hulks come from. And they also leaned in to the fairly obvious horror roots. Uh, I mean, the Hulk is Jekyll and Hyde, really. Uh, except better, because Jekyll and Hyde is an awful story. Seriously. Dreadful book. Um, and so that got me hooked in. And now, new creative team have more or less picked up where uh, Al Ewing left off. Um, now, it's a great creative team. Donny Cates uh, on the scripts, Ryan Otley, uh, Frank Martin on art. Now, I've not, again, traditionally been a fan of Ryan Otley's work. Uh, if you don't know who that is, he did the artwork for uh, Invincible, uh, recently a Netflix animated series. Uh, no, it wasn't. I was in Prime, an animated series. So although he didn't do that animation, that was done in his style. So if you've seen Invincible, that's Otley's style. And he's also just recently done Spider-Man. I didn't like him on Spider-Man at all. I didn't think his artwork worked. For the Hulk, it's perfect. It's big and brutal and huge in its in its scale and its ambition, as is the storytelling. And what we have here is a whole new way of looking at the Hulk. Uh, and it's not a spoiler because it's right there on the cover. It's the thought that what if the Hulk isn't the problem? Everybody always gets up in arms about the big green guy and the destruction that he causes. And he, he does. He's a rage monster. He causes a lot of problems. But what if the Hulk exists to protect us from Banner? What if Banner is the problem? And at the end of the last story, Banner had kind of taken over the Hulk and was sort of sitting as a, as a disembodied consciousness in the back of the Hulk's mind, controlling what the Hulk does. And that's where we pick him up, as though he's driving around the Hulk, as though the Hulk was a vehicle. And he's using the Hulk to do, well, who knows what. But based on what I've read in issue one, it's not good. So if you've never read the Hulk, this is a brilliant place to jump on board. If you're a Hulk fan, this is what you've been waiting for. Hulk smash. Now, rather more subtle is my next recommendation, which is Joy Operations Issue 1, out this week from Dark Horse Comics, which appears to be the new home of Brian Michael Bendis's creator-owned stuff, which is intriguing, because I thought he'd signed an exclusive contract with DC, and he certainly has put a lot of creator-owned stuff out through them over the last couple of years. So, hmm, interesting. Not quite sure what's going on there. I should probably pay a bit more attention to the news. However, Joy Operations is a sort of science fiction-y, superhero-y-esque story. Uh, the joy of the title is a sort of elite special forces operative um, using the title Envoy, which appears to be some kind of rank or organisation because um, other characters treat her with the respect that you'd afford to somebody who was like SAS, that kind of thing. She's certainly in charge of protecting the leader of her country. I'm going to call it a country. That's not really how they call it. But, you know, I don't want to spoil too many things. Now, this is a, a place where sort of 
it's sort of government by corporation. And rival corporations have different sectors, each ruled by a person. And the ruler of Joy's sector appears to be causing some problems for the rulers of other sectors. The rulers of the other sectors are seeing that ruler as a threat. And at the start of the book, Joy is contacted by an envoy from one of the other sectors. And she starts to lose control a little bit. And that's as much story as I'm telling you, because I really don't want to spoil this. It's a very intriguing premise. And if I tell you too much, I will spoil it for you. It's not the book I was expecting. And that's in a very, very good way. If you're unfamiliar with Brian Michael Bendis, I have to say he is one of the finest writers of comics in the last 25 years. I followed his career since the 90s, and he's really good. Uh, you may not know the name. You will know characters that he's been involved in creating. He spent a lot of time at Marvel. He was at Marvel for more than 20 years, I think, uh, in which time he created the character of Jessica Jones, co-created the character of Jessica Jones. Uh, he co-created the character of Miles Morales, who you may remember from the Into the Spider-Verse movies and being really cool in comics, and so much other stuff. Uh, his creator-owned stuff is also amazing. He writes brilliantly from so many different points of view, and I can't recommend his work highly enough. Joy Operations, I'm really, really enjoying so far. Uh, the artwork in Joy Operations is by a guy called Stephen Byrne, who I don't think I've come across before. But it's, it's realistic but expressive, and it really does add to the world building that's, that's being done here. So issue one, out this week, you can jump in on the ground floor, and I strongly recommend that you do. And that's just about it for this week. Nothing on the Geeky Community Court Board this week, because... Well, presumably nobody's doing nothing because no one's told me. So, you know, there you go. Do please get in touch at info at destinationvenus.co.uk if you do have a geeky event you'd like me to give a bit of a plug. Uh, it doesn't have to be Harrogate Local. Uh, the podcast version of this is heard literally internationally. So wherever your geeky event is, just let me know. Info at destinationvenus.co.uk. Um www.destinationvenus.co.uk is where you will find the show notes for this and every episode of Geeking with Destination Venus. So again, just go to the website, click on the blog button and scroll down. Uh, you will see all of the show notes from previous shows as well as the show notes for this show, uh, which is going to be called Moon Squid. So just look for that. As ever, Geeking with Destination Venus is a copyright feature of Venus Rising Media and is engineered by me, proudly, in Yorkshire, where all the good things happen. We will be back next week with, obviously, more of my conversation with Shannon from Moonsquid. Uh, there's some really good stuff coming up in that conversation. Trust me, I was there. And I may, just may, have some more stuff recorded with other people. By then too but nothing is finalized so i can't say too much about it yet it's going to be good though it's going to be really good i've got something lined up with people that i've known literally for 30 years but have never 
actually met. How exciting is that? International guests, ladies and gentlemen. Actual international guests. And I'm also hoping to be able to speak in the next week or so, so possibly in time for next week's show, uh, with some people not just from Thoughtball, but from other conventions as well. As life starts to return to normal, cons are coming back. There have been a few this year, and they're all very different. They all have their own personalities and quirks. And I'd like to explore that a little bit. So hopefully a few conversations around cons coming up too. One other thing, and I suppose this is a geek community corkboard thing, really. Don't want to say too much because it's not my thing to say, but I do want to give a massive shout out to Alan and all of the crew at the Geek Bar because they have been a huge support to this podcast and to Destination Venus. And the Geek Bar has been one of my favourite places in Harrogate since it opened. They've been through a lot. They were supposed to open in March 2020. And, well, you know how that went. So it's a great bar full of great people. And I am going to encourage you to go there this weekend. Have a beer, maybe a cocktail, maybe one of their excellent hot dogs. This is not a paid advertisement. This is just me asking you to support a local business that I really like. Links in the show notes, incidentally, to the episode of, I think it was a Geeks at the Gates. I think it predated geeking, but uh, I, we did an episode with the Geek Bar crew and uh, links to that in the show notes, uh, if I can find the link. And actually, while I'm plugging a local business, a um, bit of a plea from me. Uh, this is a little bit self-serving, but not entirely. We're getting to the Christmas season now. Yes, I used the C word, sorry. And you're going to be thinking about buying gifts and stuff like that. Maybe geeky gifts. And I know that over the pandemic and lockdown and all of that, it's been very easy to buy things with a couple of clicks. You know, not necessarily from the one that's named after a river, but, you know, there are a lot of big sites out there that will sell you things. And it's very easy and very convenient. And I understand that sometimes that's what you're going to do. But a genuine plea. I'm going to talk about Harrogate specifically because that happens to be where I live. But this applies to whatever town you live in, wherever in the world you are. Don't just click this Christmas. Shop local. Go and find those weird little independent shops that you can just browse through and find stuff that you would never have gone looking for. Go to Christmas markets. Take some time to shop and experience Christmas shopping the way it should be on the high street. I'm not going to mention individual shops by name. I've already done a massive plug for the Geek Bar. I'm, I'm, I don't want to start picking out favourites because I'm bound to leave out somebody that I love. But there are loads of independent, often family-run shops in Harrogate. It's one of the things that makes this town so vibrant and so great. And there's only one way to keep those little shops that make the place so vibrant and so great, and that's to use them. So whatever geeky gift you're hoping to find this Christmas, look for it in a real shop first. You may be surprised at what you find. You may find things you never expect. Give it a go. And ha, you thought you'd escaped the boring preachy part this week, didn't you? But now, time to go. Back next week. Till then, be kind to yourself, be kind to everybody else. Until the next time, we go geeking.